The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. When you hear Jesus' parable in Matthew's Gospel today, how does it make you feel? If you're like me, your first reaction may be that you sink down a bit and wish that you were naturally a bit more forgiving. Whilst it's clear that God does want us to forgive each other, the message we take away from the parable all depends upon where we find ourselves in it, and also in the story of Joseph and his brothers. When we open up the situation, we're often forced to think a bit harder and reflect truthfully on how we might have behaved in the same situation. Contact was recently telling me how a newspaper with a certain political bias was fed some numbers which made a good story and which was rushed to press instantly. When she took the trouble to feed the full facts together with some context, the journalists were far less interested. I guess this is nothing new, but it's a reminder to us all that context and reflection on the different perspectives of the characters involved will give us some chance of finding real meaning in our Bible. Otherwise, it's so easy to hear words in a way that suits us and then jump straight on that bandwagon of condemnation. Just to start with, have you ever had a really annoying sibling? 
If so, you might sympathise with the brothers in selling Joseph's off for 20 shekels without a thought for his welfare. However, there's probably a greater chance that you've looked back on family relationships and been left feeling a bit bad because you wish you had behaved differently. At the point we meet Joseph today, the tables of power have been turned, and thanks to him, his brothers are living comfortably in Egypt. They think they know how they're going to be treated, and fear what is coming to them when their father dies. Yet, Joseph has grown as he understood his part in God's plan to help the people of Egypt, and he's not interested in petty, short-lasting revenge. Already we're being prompted to have a rethink about forgiveness. In many circumstances, forgiveness can be very difficult, so it follows that we beat ourselves up sometimes because we struggle to forgive others. The trouble with this approach is that we then often assume that we're judged in the same way. When I first started exploring Christianity, a wise man told me that an important thing to remember about the relationship with God is that it can constantly grow and renew. God is not interested in piling every sin we ever commit into a sack on our back until we collapse under the weight, becoming dysfunctional and useless. Rather, he forgives us in a way which makes our natural response to him one where we walk more lightly as people consciously trying to shed our old ways and not giving up when we fail. Talking of burdens, it's all too easy to be left wondering whether we have the capacity to be as forgiving as the king owed a massive debt, or whether we would behave more like the servant seeking repayment of a lesser debt. Perhaps at least part of the problem here is that we have become detached from all the possibilities that God offers and see things in far more transactional terms where stuff just isn't granted for free. The fact that all around us we see examples of closed minds, selfishness and injustice only adds to the complexity of what forgiveness really means. Take the servant who's just had his debt cancelled. It may be us that need to be forgiving to him when we consider his circumstances. His debt may have been erased, but perhaps he's still left with nothing and has a family to provide for. The way he sees this may be a one-off chance to get his finances straight, have a little breathing space, know where his next meal is coming from. And there's no suggestion that the debt to him wasn't rightly payable. It's just that we expect him to be generous as well because of what he's been excused. Is he thinking, surely his master will commend him if he never again appears in front of him destitute. And in these uncertain times, many may sympathize with his craving for some financial security for him and his family. As we start to think about what forgiveness means to each of us personally, it's important that we recognize that we 
are people who are forgiven by God on a daily basis. It doesn't necessarily follow that we in turn are always ready to forgive, and it's even possible that in some really bad situations we may never totally forgive. But a strong starting point is to put ourselves in the shoes of the first servant in our parable, hugely indebted, powerless and fearful for himself and those he loved. Once again we're reminded that God doesn't judge by the standards we think we deserve, but when we encounter his staggering generosity and grace, which offers true freedom from the burdens we allow to slow us down, it's something we can only accept in awe, wonder and humility. It's sad to think that the first servant was apparently unmoved despite experiencing this life-giving generosity. Essentially his whole life has just changed and he's missed it. His master wasn't just forgiving the one slave his debt, but was showing what forgiveness looks like so that others would come to know that this was possible for them. Our challenge is to be people of forgiveness, even if we can't always find it in ourselves to fully forgive. If we recognise what we've received from God, then our strength to at least struggle with forgiveness comes directly from this. The final words in today's Gospel reading make it clear that if we reject any efforts to forgive others, then we reject the kingdom that God offers for all. It's important that we don't confuse forgiveness with brushing bad things under the carpet or entering into some sort of denial where we pretend that bad things haven't happened. It's especially important that we don't confuse our efforts to forgive with any mistaken belief that we should stay in or return to relationships where harm occurs. Sadly, our attempts to forgive someone's past actions don't necessarily mean that the person forgiven has changed for the better. And it's essential that we support each other as we are able in such situations. There may be deep and disturbing reasons why we sometimes struggle to forgive others, but feelings of superiority or self-importance can never be valid. A final thought. Tom Wright points out that Peter's question to Jesus of how often should I forgive approaches the subject from entirely the wrong stance. This is not really about forgiving someone at all, but simply postponing the time of revenge. Jesus' answer of 77 times exaggerates to make the point that this is the wrong approach. Forgiveness becomes part of who we are as Christians. It's an integral part of our Christian makeup, no matter how we may struggle with this. As we approach difficulties and challenges where others have done wrong, the message from today is that we should seek to resolve them in a spirit of forgiveness, confident that ultimately this will prove far more powerful than any thoughts of vengeance. Amen. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, whose only Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence, give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.